0: The book of Philippians in the New Testament, we've been doing a verse-by-verse study in Philippians, and let's go to chapter 3, we've gone as far as verse 12, Philippians chapter 3, we'll pick it up at verse 12, and let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be here. I thank you for those who are listening online, um, those who are here in this building out in the coffee shop area, the kids in their classrooms, the middle schoolers upstairs. So we commit this time to the teaching of your word. I pray that our hearts would be soft before you and teachable. These things are important uh, for us in Christian living. To be able to move forward in a life that is joyous and having thankfulness, and Lord, having peace, growing and maturing in the things of the Lord, our relationship with you. So I pray that we would take these things to heart. We learn so much from the apostle, but these words are not just from him. They are inspired by you. So this is you instructing us, and there's nothing that you don't instruct us in in which you won't empower us by the work of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I pray that we would be still in our seats. Remember, turn ringers off our phones. we got a few minutes in your word, and this is important. This is of priority. And, Lord, uh, we look forward to what you're going to say to us and teach us, convict us, encourage us in, build us up as the word of God goes forth. So, Lord, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we open up the chapter, if you've been with us in our study through Philippians, that Paul the Apostle was writing about a time in his life when he was very religious. He would give his resume in verses five and six of the chapter that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, from the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, blameless and flawless concerning the law. But as he knows that uh, all that, and we know that that was Paul before his conversion, He would say, as he's writing from prison, that I count it all as loss, as as rubbish to gain Christ for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ and to be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Before, he was trying to be righteous in his own religiousness. He says, but that which is in faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which comes from God by faith. And then last week, we covered a couple of verses as we heard the cry of Paul, his heart, saying that, oh, that I may know you, Lord. May I know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And as I read about Paul and this circumstance that he's in, writing Chained to a Roman Guard, writing this epistle to a church that he's very fond about joy and being thankful, he, he's really an amazing individual, how he desires to know the Lord more and continue to move forward in the things of the Lord. He would rejoice in the sufferings that he had experienced for Christ. He no longer had confidence in the flesh, but his priority in his life was to know Christ and have that close, intimate personal relationship to the one that saved him he saved me he went to the cross and died for my sins and now I have relationship true relationship with the father I can come in confidence into his presence because of what Jesus Christ has done as the writer of Hebrews would declare to us all his religiousness before that couldn't do that he was thankful for Christ And as we now pick up our text, Paul writing in verse 12 of the chapter, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. As I look at Paul's life, he was a man of great spiritual maturity, of purity. He was so devoted to the Lord, wasn't he? His love for the Lord, his service to the Lord. Uh, I read about Paul's life, I look at his life, and I see someone who perhaps was as close to spiritual perfection as anyone. We know that our Lord, he's the only one that has ever lived a perfect life. But here is Paul. He was so full of the spirit of God and the love of God after his conversion, full of the grace of God. He was devoted to the Lord. I think about in Acts chapter 20 as he met with the elders at Ephesus, that he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. The Spirit is testifying to me that chains and tribulations await me, but I don't count my life dear to myself, and I am determined to finish my race with joy. And of course, it would be that visit to Jerusalem that he would end up in chains as he would be arrested. He would set off a series of trials. That would lead him here to being under house arrest in Rome, waiting to go on trial before the emperor. He's writing this epistle from that prison cell. And all through this difficult time and the difficulty of his ministry... That his priority was that Christ be magnified. That there be a furtherance of the gospel. And that he trusted in God in whatever state that he found himself in. And if anyone, I think, could have achieved or reached close to spiritual perfection, it would have been Paul the Apostle. But he says, no, I haven't done that. I haven't reached it. I, I, I know the Lord is still working in my life. I know that the Lord is still moving me forward. And it is true for with you and for me. I know that the Lord has a lot to do in my life in bringing me to maturity. I know that I have not attained, or it might be translated, I haven't attained it. That is spiritual perfection. None of us have. And I want to be a godly example of, of a man who loves the Lord, who serves the Lord, devoted to the Lord. I want to be that example to my wife and to my children, to you, this congregation, to others that are linked to me in my life, to the to the community. And I haven't obtained, some days I look in the mirror and I think, oh, Lord, my attitudes, you know, just my laziness, whatever it might be. I'm, I have such a long ways to go in you growing me and changing me. It would be Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He would write that I'm the least of the apostles who am not willing to be called an apostle, not worthy, that is, to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. He would write that other prison epistle to the church at Ephesus in chapter three of that book. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul didn't boast in himself, he boasted in the cross. He boasted in Christ and what Jesus Christ had done for him. And the closer that he got to knowing him and walking with him and just loving him, he realized how far he was from perfection. And you see, that's what light does. The light of Jesus Christ in us, it exposes and it shows us that that we haven't reached that spiritual perfection. But the Lord is, is conforming us into his image Glory to greater glory, day by day, moment by moment. And this incredible grace that has been poured out on Paul has been poured out on us. The work of the Holy Spirit that was in Paul and and working in his life and making him a new creation and working in his life and serving the Lord and being devoted to the Lord, the same Holy Spirit resides in our hearts, has made us a a new creation. And, And it's working in our lives and continuing to do that. And I really believe the mature Christian is the one who says, Lord, I realize that I am not perfected or obtained perfection. I can have selfish ambitions. I can have conceit. I can be self-centered and in, in all of this in my heart, attitudes that aren't right. I understand that. And it is not, look how holy I am, how perfected I am. Whenever I hear someone say or pass on how holy they are or look how spiritual that I am or they boast about their spiritual achievements or they have a heart of people should be spiritual like me. You should be just like me. Now, Paul would set himself as an example of Christ likeness. But when there's that boasting and that pride, I know that there's a lot of immaturity in that individual that has that kind of mindset. I've talked with a few people over the years with, with that just kind of like, look how mature and spiritual I am, kind of like I've achieved spiritual perfection, or I'm close to it. I, matter of fact, had one guy years ago after service arguing with me, that he was saying that you can reach spiritual perfection, sinless perfection. And, and I said, really, are you one of them? Well, I, I am, and it's like, you know, it, and it's just like, really? Okay, so that's not biblical. And then he started getting mad. And it's like, as he started getting mad, I said, well, you're angry. That's sin. You know, you haven't reached. <laughs> None of us have obtained spiritual perfection. But as we realize this, that understand that the Lord is moving us forward, conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ, Again, becoming more Christ-like is something we should be pursuing. Don't read this and the other side of the spectrum is, well, I'm going to use it as an excuse not to move forward in the Lord. Sometimes I'll hear people say, well, we're all sinners. No one's perfect. And it's true. We're all sinners. No one's perfect. But kind of like, this is the way I am. This is the way I'm going to be. This is the way I'm going to be. Don't think that you can't grow more in Christ-likeness, in spiritual maturity, because all of us can. And as Paul realizes God's still working in me, he writes, but I press on. I move forward, as the King James puts it, or I pursue. You see, we can ask ourselves in life, what is it that I'm really pursuing? What is really the priority in my life and what I'm trying to attain? Now, all of us, we pursue things. And they're not necessarily bad things at all. Some people they pursue, you know, doing better at work, uh, working harder. We can pursue being a better parent, being a better student, being a better, you know, football player or athlete, playing that instrument that we practice every day. We 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 try to to press forward in and doing better to obtain and. And all these things, there's lots of things that we can pursue or try to obtain, that they're not bad things. But my prayer for all of us here this morning is that the priority of our lives and the priority of our hearts is to say, I want to pursue Christ and to know him. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, for you note-takers, tells us to grow in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ. You see, I don't want there to be stalemate in my spiritual walk and maturity. It wasn't that Paul was trying to pursue salvation. Don't don't confuse that. He was very secure in his salvation. He was pursuing or pressing on and being more Christ-like. He, he says, let's read it again in verse 12. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So the apostle here just... Expressing that he he wants to lay hold of what Jesus wanted in his life, for the Lord's will in his life, Paul did not want to stray from that. Our Christianity should not be about Lord, give me what I want, what pleases me. Now we can give our prayers, our requests, and our supplications to the Lord. We're told that we're invited to ask the Lord to say, Lord, this is my desire. These are my requests, but then to trust him with those things. It isn't just getting what pleases us and what our will is and what's in it for me, Lord. And I mention that because, unfortunately, that is Christianity for many people today. That's a message that is being presented behind the pulpits rather than, Lord, you lay hold of me. Lord, you have given me of your son. I'm forgiven and I am saved by the blood of Jesus. Your word has been given to me. Your spirit lives in me, working in me. And I just want to grow in my love for you, to live for you, and to press on in what you have for me in my life, and to trust you in that, and also rest in that, that you're going to do the very best. That I don't want to just do my own thing or get my own way. But Lord, whatever you have, day by day, moment by moment, and brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I have this verse underlined, very important. Again, Paul pressing the point that he had not yet attained spiritual maturity or perfection or ultimate conformity to Christ. But one thing that is important to do is to continue to grow in the Lord. It is important for us to be forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. What does Paul mean by that? You recall that as Paul, as he began the chapter, as I've already said, he said, Have no confidence in the flesh. If anyone could boast in, in what they've accomplished in the flesh, it's me. And, and he gave those, those, uh, that resume, his religiousness, what he had accomplished in the previous verses. He was so zealous for his religion, Judaism. He persecuted the church, this all before his conversion. But I counted all of these things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. All the past accomplishments, I count them as rubbish, as dung. Because I have Jesus. And now Paul says, I forget those things which are behind, and I move forward. I press on. I reach forward to the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Please don't miss these verses. Verses 13 and 14. I believe they are very critical. Very important. It's imperative that we apply this in our lives if we want to continue strong in the Lord and being conformed into his image. First of all, he says, forgetting those things which are behind. He says, this one thing that I do, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. Those things that I've accomplished. When I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, when I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, when I persecuted the church, And you see, we so often let those things which are behind stagnate us, whether they are good things or whether they are bad things. They can distract us. They keep us from moving forward. I got saved years ago, and I was in Bible study, and I was serving the Lord, and it was great. Well, what about now? What about today? Are you continuing in those things are you sensitive and open and desiring to continue in the things of the Lord and what God has for you today and the next day? In that movie I mentioned Jesus' Revolution, there, there were some people I ran into in the community, you know, just, and, and they mean well. And, um, they said, oh, you're the pastor of Calvary Chapel. I saw that movie in Calvary Chapel. And I went to, you know, the tent days, you know, back at Costa Mesa. And I thought, that's great. So where are you going to church now? Why I don't go to church? Uh, I did that, you know, years ago. Um, and, and it kind of breaks my heart when I hear those things. I used to serve the Lord. I used to be involved. I, I don't do devotions anymore. Uh, I don't need to do it anymore. Kind of the mindset or a heart set. I pray that none of us, that we would come to that in our lives. He says here that I've counted all these things lost for the excellence and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it is very important for us, forgetting those things which are behind, he says, there's one thing I do, that as I forget those things that I have done, We so often let those things which are behind, again, just stagnate us. And the years go by. And we're no longer sensitive to the leading of the Lord, moving forward in the things of the Lord. It's very easily I could say, well, I've been a pastor for over 30 years. You know, I've done Bible study. I've done this. I've uh, done, you know, missions in the mission field. I've been a law enforcement, you know, chaplain for a couple decades. I've done live radio. I have done all those things and begin to put it in cruise control, kind of kick back. And even though I look back on it, and I am very, very grateful for what God has done in my life, I don't want to just stay stagnant. I don't want to dwell on it. I don't want to use it as an excuse not to press forward in what God has for me. Because I believe that he wants to do more. He still has things for me to do. And I want to press forward. And I think that God is still working. And I believe and I expect for Him to work each and every day for what He has for me. And He wants to do the same thing with you, He wants to do the same thing with this church in moving forward. So looking back at what we consider to be good things or spiritual things that that we have accomplished for the Lord. And I know that there are seasons in our lives where we can't do the things that we used to or whatever the case may be. But we can keep knowing him. We can keep going to him. Being open to how he leads us. And if we're not careful, we can become ones that we do start to get lazy or lethargic spiritually. Now some of us, we look back maybe at past mistakes regrets, hurts, or disappointments. I think that I can say that probably most of us that are here, if not all of us, have gone through those things, those experiences, those circumstances that have caused hardship in our lives to different degrees, of course. And I don't want to make light of it, those things that you've experienced that have caused pain and hardship and difficulty and hurt and confusion. And those things are hard. And Paul says something that all of us should consider and pray through. As he writes, pressing on, forgetting those things which are behind. It wasn't like Paul was saying, oh, just erase it out of your mind. You'll never think about it. Just, you know, just forget about it. and Remember no more. You know, kind of like water off a duck's back. No, he mentions in his epistles I persecuted the church. He had a real fondness for the Christians in Jerusalem. He would bring them uh, an offering because I believe part of the reason not only was their suffering that they were going through, through famine and all of that, but he wanted to help them. And I can't imagine Paul sitting there with the Christians there in Jerusalem knowing that there were people there, the brethren that he persecuted their family members before in the past and and those that they knew. And that weighed heavy on Paul's heart. But what Paul is telling us is this, listen. I don't let those things of the past paralyze me or prevent me from moving forward in the Lord and growing in him and loving him and serving him. And what can happen in our lives is we can rehearse our failures We can rehearse our sin over and over to where we believe I can never move forward in the Lord. Or we experience disappointments, hurts, guilt, shame, and it's hard for me to keep pressing on in the Lord. Paul was very aware of his past. He said, I was a waster of the church, I persecuted the church. That's why he was so amazed at the grace of God. And he comes to a point in his life where he says, I forget about those things. That is, I don't let those things keep me from moving forward in the Lord, in God, and what Christ has for me, what he wants to do in my life, and knowing him and growing in my love for him and serving him because I am forgiven. And he has bestowed upon me his incredible grace and compassion and goodness. I put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. And I know very well of those things that I did in the past. But I can move forward now in Christ and being forgiven. And there are some that are here today. Honestly, you say the best thing about the past is that it's over. Because of the hurts. And I know that the disappointments and pain are very, very real. But God is telling all of us here today, listen, I want you to press on in me. Let me do that work. Maybe you've been hurt, betrayed, and there's just unforgiveness and it just has consumed you. And you're saying, Lord, I I just can't forgive that person or that situation. And we know the imperative in scripture is that we are to forgive. And it's the hardest thing that God has called us to do is to forgive somebody who's really has betrayed you or hurt you. And, And it's day after day and you agonize over it. And that's where you go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to forgive. And you do it over and over, bit by bit day by day and he will bring you to that place where you can say i have forgiven because there's those times where we're not holy enough in our own flesh to do it and we want to be vengeful and the lord says vengeance is mine let me take care of it don't you mess with it you know why because you can't handle it you let me do that work and going to the lord to forgive to not be angry To not be bitter. And forgiving doesn't condone what they did or just like, well, you know, no big deal, anything. Yeah, it was a big deal. But I'm not going to let that situation or that person have control over me and just paralyze me. But I want to move forward in the things of the Lord. I want to move forward in you. Put away the anger and the bitterness. It takes a lot of energy to be angry. A lot of energy. And the Lord wants to do that work in you. And he will do that work in you. I can forget the wrong and move on. I can forgive and move on. I don't have to continue living in past mistakes. I don't have to to live in all of this guilt and condemn myself because God's word says to me in Romans chapter 8 that there's no condemnation now. That means today, this morning, for those who are in Christ Jesus, I don't have to be, you know, just weighed down by anger and bitterness and all those things that keep me from moving forward. And also for you who've gone through disappointments, You may be young or older, whatever the case may be, and you feel like, Lord, this didn't work out. I prayed for this thing. I prayed for this relationship. I prayed for this opportunity, and it hasn't happened, and I feel so alone. I feel like you don't care. I feel like I can't move on because you're not interested in me. And the Lord says, I know you and I love you and trust me. And remember that is in chapter 1, verse 6 that he who has begun a good work will bring it to completion. That he's still traveling with you, because I know that feeling. When I was young, I felt like I was so isolated. I felt so alone that, Lord, I can't move forward. The disappointments, the isolation. I feel like such a spiritual waste. and the Lord was doing a marvelous work. For you who feel like the Lord doesn't care, doesn't see you, that He does. Move forward in Him. He loves you. And the word is, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared. For those who love him. And he loves you. It was Jesus that said put your hand to the plow and don't look back. In Jesus' day when you plowed a field. You hooked up to an oxen or a plow horse. And you had a tree or a rock outcrop. Or some point that you kept looking forward. You had to keep looking forward. You can't keep looking back. Because your rows would be all crooked. They wouldn't be straight. You'd get all goofed up. And we are told that, as the writer of Hebrews says, that keep your focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Colossians chapter 3, the other prison epistle, uh, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on things of this earth. So this is what I do. I forget those things which are behind. In the past, I put it under the blood of Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. Now I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's the prize that Paul is speaking about here? The prize of the upward call in Christ. Perhaps Paul's talking about the rewards that we will receive as believers when we go home to be with him. What we've done for Christ. When we stand at the Bema reward, reward seat of Jesus Christ, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. What we've done in the body, whether good or bad. Perhaps it's the new bodies that we're going to get, our new resurrected bodies. He's going to mention that at the end of the chapter. But here Paul's like a runner that's looking for the finish line. And at the end of his life, he would say that I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. And as we continue, Paul is going to now exhort the Philippian believers to adopt the same mindset. Let's read that verse 15. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Now, I'm calling you, you who are mature, to have the same mindset, attitude, desire, to to live for the upward call in Christ Jesus, to keep pressing forward. Forget about those things which are behind. Keep growing in excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Striving together with one love, uh, one mind. uh, Continuing to pursue Christ-likeness. One mark of spiritual maturity is a desire to go on with Christ. You're to have this in mind. And it is interesting that Paul says, For you who think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. In other words, I'm just going to give them over to the Lord. I'm going to trust that he's going to minister this to you. Those who who aren't there, they're going to make it clear to them. Open up their eyes to the spiritual truth that has been given to them. And that is a very good principle for us to remember. When you tell people the gospel or you give them the truth of God's word and they say, well, I don't agree with that. Or that's not for me. That doesn't work for me. Or you offended me. And I think all of us have gone through that as we shared the gospel or given God's word. Then what we do is we entrust them to God. We pray for them. Lord, take the blindness away. Because Satan has blinded the unbeliever. Open up their eyes spiritually. Soften up their hearts. Lord, you do a work in them. Drawing them to you. Remember, the word of God is powerful. There's power in the gospel The Word of God is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. So let the Word of God and the Spirit of God make it clear to them. And you commit them to prayer. I've said this before, but one of the things I have learned is I make a lousy Holy Spirit. So you pray for them, keep speaking truth to them, the gospel to them, loving them, being honest with them. Paul writes in Ephesians, speak the truth in love. And brethren, join in following my example, not those who so walk as you have, us as a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. As Paul talks about maturing, being more Christ-like, he says, follow my example, and others that so walk or are like-minded. Now, Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that imitate me as I imitate Christ. Again, Paul's not being prideful. He he doesn't have this huge ego. He just stated that he hasn't arrived to where he has sinless perfection. But in the manner of pursuing Christ's likeness, he did set himself up as an example. To the Corinthians, he would say you have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. And I hope that this really challenges us it challenges us to really, in the honesty of our hearts, say, Lord, am I being a godly example for others to follow? And if anyone, if you're thinking that that's what you're supposed to do, pastor, you're right. You see, as the pastor of this church and being called to ministry, I don't want to be one that just instructs you on what the word of God says to you. I want to be a godly example of a man who loves God, who walks in a godly way. I don't think any of us expect to see perfection in, in each other. You won't see it in me, but that's not an excuse to understand that I'm held at a stricter judgment. Those who teach, that I'm called to be that example to others. I know God's still working in me. I don't want to be like James who says, don't be like that one who's a hearer of the word but not a doer of the word. Don't be like the man who looked in the mirror and observed himself and then walks away and forgot about what kind of man he was. In other words, he he didn't correct what was wrong. He just forgets about the word of God. And we don't want to be there. We don't want to go that direction or have that mindset. These things that we've been going over the last few weeks, they convict me. They challenge me. And Lord, I want to press on to the goal to prize the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I don't want to ever get to the place where I tell you what to do, but I'm not an example for you. Because I'll just be real honest that I've seen over the years, and it's getting worse, that leaders in the church who are not walking after God, pastors, missionaries, leaders that they're saying do one thing but they're not examples involved in sin compromising the statistics that i read on pastors that are hooked on pornography it just it, it's amazing unbelievable Or those who perhaps want to puff themselves up, they minister out of conceit and what's in it for me, and maybe a lot of carnality and worldliness. As we read these things here in these verses, 18 and 19, that it reminds me to be that godly example for all of us. But it's not just for me, it's for you. It's for you, Dad. Moms, grandparents, whoever you are, to be that godly example. You're not one that's going to send your kids to church. I don't think any of you would want to do this. Oh, you need to go and learn about Jesus. You need to learn the Bible. You need to live, learn morals. And then when you go home, they see you compromising in what you are watching, in your language in your conduct, in your behavior. A lot of carnality. Because it won't work. And your kids will walk away from Christ. And they will be angry. Because we've seen it happen. We'll bring the kids to church and And we'll play church for a little bit, but then we're going to go home and there's drinking and there's drugs and there's pornography and there's foul language. There's all that. And they grow up and they see it. And it's a mixed message. All of us need to be godly examples to our children, to our grandchildren, to the people at work, to those who are linked to us in our lives. And you may be the only gospel that they read you may be the only light that they see. And they need to see the reality of Jesus Christ in our lives. That when we say that we are a Christian, that we live it. And Paul here, who is telling us to rejoice, this is one time in the epistle he's weeping. Because he says, many walk, not a few, but many walk who are enemies of the cross of Christ. We don't know exactly what group that he is talking about, perhaps the Gnostics, perhaps the Judaizers. Maybe he's talking about those who are promoting a prosperity kind of doctrine because later on he would write to Timothy that godliness, those who teach that godliness is a means of gain, you need to stay away from them. But he says of them, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, thirdly, whose glory is their shame, and then fourthly, who set their minds on earthly things. In other words, they have a lot of carnality, but not Christ. Those who indulge themselves, those who puff themselves up and take the glory rather than giving it to the Lord, who set their minds on earthly things, and they tell you that to be you know, godly, set your mind on earthly things. Paul reminds us, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself why would any of us prioritize the world focus on the things of the world indulge in the world when we belong to heaven yes we're in the world we have jobs we have things we enjoy doing of course we do we got businesses families But we don't prioritize the world. We don't just live for this world. We live for heaven. Because the world's gone away. It won't last. And Jesus is coming back. And you and I, we are to be looking for the Lord. For his return. We're to be looking for heaven. We are to prioritize the eternal. We are to eagerly await for the return of our Lord. To be with him. To be in heaven with him. That's our home. We're just pilgrims passing through. We're going to have new bodies, as he mentions. I don't know about you, but I can't wait because the older I get, my body just keeps hurting more. (laughs) I'm longing for that. I'm looking forward, listen, and I hope you are too, and pressing forward for the goal, the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Calvary Chapel, let's keep moving forward. Move forward in your life. Prioritize the Lord, him. Know that you're a citizen of heaven. In the past, put it under the blood of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for these words that are given to us. Thank you that we can rejoice in the forgiveness we have. That all things do become new when we come to you. That we don't have to be paralyzed by the past or stagnant or weighed down by the past. Yeah, the hurts are real. The emotions are real. The disappointments. But Lord, I pray that we would understand this. That you desire to bring comfort. You desire for us To experience the joy that you have for us. Desire for us to be strong when we're just so weak. To be secure in your love for us. And to move forward to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. To keep knowing you and walking with you and trusting you with our lives. We don't boast in anything but the cross. So I want to pray. Well, we just got a few moments here. That Maybe perhaps you're just kind of stagnant in your walk with the Lord. You thought, I've been a Christian for many years. I, you know, there's still more the Lord wants to do. Matter of fact, the best is yet to come, I believe. In using you and growing you. But you've been lazy Spiritually. The Lord's not condemning you, but he is convicting you to say, I'm going to move forward. I hear your word, Lord. Help me to apply it in my life and not just boast in the past, but Lord, to move forward in the future, to be thankful for what you've done. But Lord, I want to keep growing in you, Christ-likeness. For you in the past that has really stagnated you, you thought, I can't move forward because past mistakes and guilt and the shame. Listen, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Put it under the blood of Jesus. Move forward. For those of you who have anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, give it to him. Let him do that work in your heart that you're not weighed down. You're not just to that place where you just can't move forward. He wants you to. To where there's forgiveness. Not letting that thing or person or situation control you, but trusting you. Not to be weighed down with anger and bitterness and wrath. For you who have perhaps sin in your life, stop and give it to the Lord, Say, Lord, I want to move forward in being that godly example. I want to have that mindset to the people that are linked to me in my life. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. And we don't come here just to look in the mirror and walk away and forget about it. That we had a nice Sunday teaching. But Lord, apply these things in our lives. Help us continue on to take the time to seek you about these things and what you're saying to us. And I want to pray for the one who may be here listening that you haven't committed your heart and your life to Jesus Christ and trusting in him for forgiveness, to be your Lord and Savior because he is your salvation. He is your forgiveness. He died for you because of his love for you. And it is faith in Jesus Christ that brings the righteousness of God in our hearts and in our lives. A person that is forgiven and washed and cleansed and has given a new heart. The invitation is for you to come and for you to surrender, to repent, change direction, turn to Christ and call out to him. That you humbled yourself and come in childlike faith. And you can pray, Jesus, I come to you right now as I am a sinner. And I repent and I turn to you. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And I surrender my heart to you and my life. I ask that you be my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for forgiving me. And bringing me into the kingdom where I'm a citizen of heaven. For this new beginning, a new heart. And Lord, to not turn back forgetting those things which are behind, now I can move forward in you and knowing you and walking with you. I thank you for bringing me here for this new beginning. May all of us continue on pressing forward for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus day by day, moment by moment. In Jesus' name, Amen.